Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Drop Pass Podcast. 95th episode underway and yet again you get to share the next 30 to 40 minutes on the round table with me. And I don't know if you can count that as a W or an L, but at least you made your choice and there's no turning back now. Last week we came back from my month-long hiatus and this week the aim is to keep up the tempo and dive straight into the topic that I mentioned in the last week's show, meaning that we are going to discuss about the Finnish junior development and its heading from an outside perspective. And don't take this episode at face value, you know, because these are just my own thoughts and opinions and I am an expert when it comes to junior development and junior hockey as a whole. Even though I happen to share some thoughts with some of my buddies that are in this junior bubble, but The main point here is that I just want to share my views and create conversations and awareness around this aspect because for some time I myself have been pretty worried about the Finnish hockey's heading especially after I've completely distanced myself from all that happens inside these ice arenas and seen this fear through a totally different lens. And my hope is that at some point we could get someone on the show that has an inside look into this matter that could hopefully enlighten my unsophisticated ass about some of the aspects that I'm going to bring up today and even could give us some actual answers how they see it from their own but also cohesive standpoint as a part of the insider community. So take all this with a grain of salt and share your thoughts with me whether you agree or disagree and if you happen to know someone who might be willing to step in and be the talking head on this issue, please link me up because I would be thrilled to have someone on that has the blueprint right in front of their nose on a weekly basis. But I think that's already a long enough intro to get us going so let's just hit the next gear and head towards the main course of our today's meal. Check the social media handles from the description and leave a rating for the show on Spotify if you happen to enjoy the content. Without further ado, let's get going. Okay boss man, time to once again get cooking and on the grill today we got the Finnish junior development sizzling so how this is going to go down is actually pretty simple. I got only a couple of notes written down that are basically going to work as a steering wheel for the whole episode but besides that I'm just going to go with the flow and fully submerge myself into my own thoughts so this could end up being a full ball of scrambled eggs once I've emptied out my think tank pad. Hopefully this episode could create some conversations around the coffee tables or at least would provoke you to think as well where we might be heading when it comes to future of the Finnish hockey. And like I said, if you happen to have some differing opinions, please share them with me because I would be curious to hear where you stand on this subject and how you see the junior development with your own two eyes. But what at least is something you can count on today is the fact that all this is coming straight from the heart of a Finn that has gone through the same path as many of the youngsters that are growing on these same steps of the Finnish junior hockey. So although I pretty much now isolated myself from that realm, I can at least reflect back to my own days and tell you how I saw things from my own perspective, if it is indeed needed. And I don't know how much things have changed ever since, but now that we don't have an insider here talking with me about these things, You just have to settle for my own point of view, but 
Hopefully we could change that in the near future and get a better understanding of what's really happening behind the closed doors of the Finnish Hockey Federation. But like I said, the main point today is to provoke some thoughts and just for context, I don't mean to shit on anyone here and if and when I happen to point out few names, that's just because they can be used as a real life examples, not to discriminate their performances or career by any means so. Please don't come at me because a few shoutouts. I ain't a hater, but more so a concerned citizen that would love to see the Finnish board members do something about this in order to keep the pipeline flourishing and seeing our boys living their best life in the best hockey league in the entire world. And lastly, just as a heads up, I want to point out that at certain points I may seem harsh and grim, but it's all because I want this thing to be taken seriously and to get some emotions in play as well, because after all, this is a sport that is extremely near and dear to my heart, and I believe since you've joined me, it's the same case for you as well, so don't start plucking your feathers when you hear a few provoking lines about the current state of, for example, the Finnish Lega itself. You know that I respect the players that have worked their ass off to get where they are and more so the criticism is pointed towards the talking heads responsible for running the show on the Finnish soil. But that's a good enough foundation for the upcoming episode in my opinion so let's just jump straight to it and begin where the original idea for this episode came up in the first place. So as you could imagine, I was the U20 World Junior Championships when I could after Christmas like in previous years and thanks to my current lack of streaming services, I solely focused on the finish to start things off and if you watched their first few games of the round robin, you might recall that their first games were complete trash by all books and counts against Germany and Canada. Canada handed them their lunch with a 2-5 win and honestly, The final score could have been much, much worse without the first game nerves and Niklas Kokko backstopping them on multiple different occasions, but I got that. First game of the tourney, guys are still trying to find their footings in the new coaching team and building up chemistry with their line mates. But so were the Canadians, so why still the big difference in the outcome? After all, the bigger ice surface is more familiar to European skaters than the ones playing in North America. Well, I thought I'd let it slide for now because the star power difference was heavily on Canada's side in this matchup and I thought that we would see a totally different Finnish team in their next matchup against the Germans. Although, it seemed like there was no cohesiveness inside their 20-man unit from the first puck drop, but I still thought, well, we'll see how it goes. Then it was time to face the Germans and look who found their way to the rink again. That same uncoordinated, uninspiring, lackadaisical and miserable team that had seemingly no advantages over the Germans who had just three NHL drafted names on their lineup. Not to mention names that were not first ones getting called on the first day of drafting. And I'm not saying that it should mean much, but you just saw the difference that should be there against the Canadians who slapped your cheeks for 60 minutes precisely 24 hours earlier. I watched for two full periods, and by the time the third period kicked off, I honestly was thinking, who are these guys playing against the Germans again? Because I didn't notice a huge difference and started to think that the Matrix had switched realities, and the Germans were suddenly playing against Switzerland or some other nation quite far away from the top end of junior hockey. 
But fuck no. It was still Finland against Germany which forced me to think, well, if the difference has narrowed down so much that I can't even recognize which of these two teams are the Finns based on their performance and differentiating skill sets. I don't know anymore what to think of it. And nothing but love for the Germans, they've come a long way with their junior development and are starting to pump out top-tier juniors year in and year out, so kudos for them, but that truly forced me to think if the Germans had just developed so much within recent years that they've narrowed the gap between the mid-tier countries and the high-end ones so much that in the next coming years they could be up for the gold medal, possibly even replacing Finns in the semifinal stages. Or could there be a possibility where something just has happened to the development of Finnish juniors that the gap has narrowed down to a smaller margin and that movement hasn't happened in the right direction, I might add. So at this point, I honestly started to get frustrated and worried because these guys were the top U20 names in our country that our national team leadership group had handpicked. And here we were. Wondering what the Germans had been eating in comparison to our own ground jewels. I obviously brought this up with my buddies and they wondered these same things. If the other countries had changed something and gotten better over the years bit by bit, where we now have started to see the results of multiple minor tweaks and the overall differences getting smaller and smaller as years have gone by, or might there be something in the background that has started to corrode our junior development from the inside, And we are just seeing the results of that happening in real time. Or have we just fallen off the modernization wagon and are still threading on the same spot we were a couple years ago when we noticed that we could develop eight-year prospects on a yearly basis, meaning from 2014 to 2018. And if that was the situation, we are already late if we've just been content with what we've achieved to this point. And the truth is that the play of our young Lions got better as the tournament progressed, which in all honesty is always expected, but one last time we got to witness the ugly side of this coin in the bronze medal game where the team completely melted and lost the bronze medal within the final five minutes of the third period. So obviously you can't say that this year's tournament was a W on any metric for the Finns, but at least they improved from the start and in the grand scheme of things, That's some sort of a W because in the worst scenario, they once again could have been playing relegation games against Switzerland while the semifinals would have been going on. So luckily, they managed to pull themselves out of the gutter and ended up making their way to the top four. And at least on paper had something to show when you compare their final result to the Canadians who got bounced in the quarterfinals against the Czechs. And yeah, the nature of this tournament is win the right games, but when you are looking at it from the overall junior development perspective, you gotta be a bit concerned, and that's exactly why we're here today talking about that exact topic. So, sometimes you gotta face some adversity in order to force yourself to stop for a minute and think if the path you're currently on is the right one, or if you gotta make changes in order to return to the one which eventually leads you to greener pastures. And in this case, I truly hope from the bottom of my heart that this is the case in the corner offices of the Finnish junior hockey. So that is the true starting point of all this. And next, we will move on to some of the aspects that have raised my concerns and might be affecting the trajectories of our young hockey prospects. 
And since I already mentioned the big corner offices, the first thought that popped into my mind was a phrase that I heard numerous times throughout my junior career, and that was, we want you to become great international level players. And you do your own judgments on what that actually means to you, but now that I think about it, is this the dream for young players that are starting to climb towards the top levels of junior hockey? Yes, absolutely for most. Playing for the national team is a dream come true, but first and foremost to be a great international level player and maybe with it, to wear the blue and white jersey with a lion on the chest, it would mean for example playing in Sweden, Germany, Switzerland or even Finland, but it doesn't mean necessarily that they'll want to become an NHLer, which I would think is the dream for most young players who are starting out from the juniors. And in my opinion, at that age, It gives me the vibes that they are not pushing you towards greatness, but rather telling you that you could settle for less instead of aiming for the NHL, which necessarily ain't the same thing as being a great international level player per se. It's that as well, but I see it a bit differently because it leaves some room for interpretation to be quite exact. And yes, like I said, I would argue that most young players who are dishing the puck in the junior leagues tell you that their dream is the NHL and work towards that dream becoming a reality. But if the higher-ups are basically telling you from a young age that it's okay, young Pekka, to stay in Europe and basically settle for less, who the fuck is supposed to be the one pushing you towards your dreams and keeping you accountable for accomplishing your dreams? Like... I get that the percentage of players coming from Europe and making it to the big league is extremely, and I mean extremely small. Not to mention just a pure margin of guys making their living from playing hockey, but you gotta realize that if your dreams are small, so are the results, and that's the harsh reality, because the principle is that you get what you work for, and if you settle, you never learn how far you could have gone if you just set the bar higher in the first place. And no. This doesn't mean that you shouldn't set smaller goals for yourself on your way towards the big dream. But what I'm trying to tell you is that if the big head start to brainwash you from the early age by telling you like supportive father that it's okay to dream small and settle for something decent, we are still proud of you. How big of an effect do you think that has long term? Certainly you don't want to push kids too young towards dreams that you have yourself, but you need to be there to tell them that You have believed in them and want them to achieve what's out there. But I guess that's what the agents are for who earn their living through players' accomplishments. But I hope you get the core idea that I'm trying to tell you here because it seems so odd in so many ways to me. And you know, it's almost like a line drawn in water where you really can't even tell what the term great international player even means to be quite exact because It could be anything from a solid league player taking part in the Euro Hockey Tour or on the flip side, one of the top scorers in the NHL. Just go across the pond and ask the guys where they want to be when they're 27 and I can promise you that more than 80% will tell you the fucking NHL and not Europe. And certainly the first thought ain't that I want to play for the US or Canada on the international stage. Because first, it's the NHL and then the national team with it And that's the core mentality over there from the early age. 
Organizations are usually led by guys that have been in that hamster wheel and know the ins and outs of the whole circus and sometimes even want their guys to get the experience, same things that they got. And if they end up making it to the big league, then you might start considering if you get to play for the national team because only the absolute best ones get to represent the country in those two nations. Or at least that's how it was back in the day when the World Cup and the Olympics were a thing amongst the NHL players. And I don't know if these are still amongst the junior ranks or if they've diverted from that completely, but at least this was a thing back when I used to lace up the skates with some of my teammates and heard about the precious lion's path for the very first time. So that's the very first thing that popped into my mind when thinking of this topic and the lion's path that I mentioned before is also quite a well thought idea and I get it. It's awesome. There's no bigger pride than to wear the lion uniform. And you get to go through all the junior national teams with pretty much the same group of names all throughout. But from an inside source, at some point it gets to a point where it's almost harder to get out of those teams than to get in, regardless of your performances. Because you are seen as their product, in quotes, and are meant to be their export. But doesn't that also support the idea that they want to mass-produce international players aim to bring success for Finland in just international tournaments. Am I missing something here? And if not, that kind of seems like a low bar compared to some of the nations we're fighting against on that stage. Sweden being the closest one, which for some reason happens to produce elite NHLers on almost yearly basis, so riddle me that. And yes, at this point someone could throw in the argument The numbers are smaller than in the other big countries. Yes, that is the fact, but it doesn't explain why, for example, Slovakia has started to produce top-tier names on a yearly basis, and I've started to see success also on the international states in the last couple of years. You can keep Canada and the US out of this conversation just for the sake of their population numbers, but hockey is still the second most played sport in Finland behind football, and seemingly their federations have shook hands and come to an agreement to cease the success, but that's all besides the point. Some of you hopefully at least got the joke in that, but let's just move on. Well, how about the costs? Absolutely. Hockey is not from the cheaper end of the spectrum, and that's why I'm so damn grateful for my parents for giving me the opportunity to play throughout my entire childhood, but once again, It's the same thing everywhere else as well, and I would hope that at least for the most part, the spaces and coaching are solid enough in order to cover some of the costs, but I'm not an expert on that field, unfortunately, so we might have to check the facts with someone else who knows more about the cost aspects of this sport. But what I can say with confidence is that the inflation has had its effects here as well, so more than likely the costs have grown even more since the days I was one of the kids being driven to the rink at least five times per week, nine months a year. And when it comes to overall junior development, I totally get that in a nation small like ours, the junior pipeline tends to be more seasonal, where one year we end up seeing a handful of great youngsters with high-end upsides, whereas the next year, it seems like the bottom has fallen off completely just within 365 days, so... That's not surprising by any means, but since I also got to witness what I would call it as the modern golden days of Finnish juniors from 2014 to pretty much 2018, with names Rantanen, Aho, Hintz, Laine, Puljärvi, Juolevi, 
Borgström, Heiskanen, Välimäki, Paakanainen, Vesalainen, Jokiharju, Tolvanen and the list goes on. And yes, some of them have made their breaks in the NHL and some of them haven't, but the idea is that at least we got representation and we ended up seeing great results on the international ice as well. Whereas now, it seems like a lottery win if we see one or two Finns going in the first few rounds, not just the first day of the entire NHL draft. And the core idea behind this is that, in my logical mind, the higher the number, the better the odds. So, in that sense, while some of those names listed above haven't lived up to expectations, we've at least gotten players that are in the upper echelon of the current pool of NHL prospects, and we got a steady stream of names that could fill that void in the future, which isn't the case in the modern day. Nowadays, it seems like a player is either a bust or a star, and we just have to pray that the prospect ends up succeeding across the ocean, which will lead us to my next point. But I would honestly like to know what caused this effect, and was this just an anomaly in our hockey history, or did we do something differently when honing out the age classes from 1996 to 2000? Just curious, that's all. And I definitely ain't seen that the level of the top-tier players would have had dropped drastically because we're still talking about extremely young guys here, but the overall number of high-end names seemingly has dropped down from those days, even though for a second it seemed like we had found the fountain of youth from within our borders and would just keep printing money like that from years on out through our junior development. 2022 was a step towards the glory days with Kemel and Lambert who have been causing havoc in the AHL. And next summer has still some promise with Helenius, Heming and Kiviharju as the top names. So we'll see what the heading ends up being for the years down the road. But certainly there are a few reasons for concern. And that's exactly why we're having this conversation right here, right now. But I already teased you with my next point a few minutes ago, which is linked to the struggles that our juniors are experiencing when changing the zip code from Europe all the way across the Atlantic Ocean in North America. And this isn't totally a new concept by any means, and it's all well-known fact that more often than not, Europeans tend to have problems adapting to the smaller ice surface and higher tempo during their first year overseas. And that is completely understandable when you move from an international size ranks to North American ones where time and space completely disappears. And although this isn't a new phenomenon, for some reason it feels like we've started to see more of these cases where players fall to their faces when making the jump as the expectations have grown for newly drafted NHL prospects who are expected to make an impact within the first few years of their signing availability. So there's a learning curve attached to the change, and I feel like we all get that. It's all well and good, but what that is linked to is, at least in my opinion, the Finnish league, which in some terms has started to lose its entertainment value, at least in some places if you are not fully willing to admit that. And one cure that I would suggest for that is the downsizing of the current ice surface even more towards the NHL size ranks on top of the entire league structure which I already talked about in the previous Q&A episode. And why this is something the big heads should consider is based on the results we got back from the Junior World Championships once again, where we saw the huge difference in the skating power, stick battles and overall tempo against both North American counterparts. Especially the Americans brace through other nations with their skating and that's also linked to another point I'm going to bring up later on. But the way the game is played in NA 
is based on the stops and starts, which means that you need to be quick on your feet and strong on the puck. And if you're not, well, Jimmy, you are shit out of luck and more than likely get burned time after time the coach lets you on the ice. Plus, another major differentiating factor is that the puck is always in motion on the smaller ice, whether through dump-ins, cross-ice passes to players on full stride, or whatever the case might be. Whereas both Finns and Swedes depend on controlling the tempo rather than pushing it, and that's one of the key elements that separated the U.S. from the others in this year's tournament. And that style of hockey unfortunately ain't achievable at least in full terms in Europe because for the most part the rinks are so big that you could land a goddamn Boeing 747 down there. You've completely emptied out your gas tank just by skating a lap around the offensive zone. It's that fucking big. But the U.S. had constant flow in their game and part of that is the skating cycle the five-man unit produces each shift. And that doesn't even mean that they don't control the action because they can slow down the play when it's needed. But for the most part, high work ethic, constant movement and readiness to win puck battles are key elements on the smaller ice surface. And that showed in this year's tournament where they completely dominated most games through those three simple principles. And when players on the other side of the Atlantic get used to slow control breakouts and centerized traps, you are knees deep in shit when time and space is taken away from you every time you touch the ice when playing against North American teams. And that in my mind creates the biggest challenges for players transitioning from Europe to North American ice. And I would imagine that especially the most skilled players have to learn that the hard way. And that in my opinion might be the single biggest reason why so many of our most skilled talents have faded away. Or at least have gone through immense struggles when heading across the Atlantic. Because it's such a culture shock when they can no more do the same things which they could on the bigger ice against smaller and even slower opponents. Now compared to smaller ice surface no less. And to be completely honest, I think that the higher pace would bring even more entertainment value for the league as well, because we already don't see that many highlight real plays on nightly basis thanks to defensive heavy playstyles and risk-avoiding offenses, so you wouldn't lose too much of that spark, and I think it would create even more of those off-your-seat moments because players would get caught in vulnerable situations, which could eventually lead to great scoring chances, so from the viewer's perspective as well, I think it would be a much appreciated if we could focus more on the relentless and effective forecheck rather than how fucking wonderful the 131 neutral zone trap is for the La Perana Saipa. Said no one, ever. But that's just my point of view, and I think that as long as we see results on the international stage, no changes are inbound, but that might exactly be where the reticle is currently pointing, so we'll see if I happen to live through such an experience during my lifetime. Hopefully so, but I certainly ain't holding my breath, that's for sure. And kind of leaning on these few aspects that we've already talked about, next I'm going to bring up the point of factory producing two-way forwards for the world. And this obviously has been the biggest trademark for Finnish players throughout history in the NHL circles, and I certainly ain't saying that it would be a huge minus side to know how to defend, but more often than not, those responsible two-way forwards are molded for defensive duties and end up finding themselves lower down the lineup because of a certain lack of offensive IQ. And especially when you add the previous ingredients, 
lack of absolute offensive gems, challenges in adapting to North American systems mixed in with modern expectations to settle into NHL roster in two to three years. More often than not, players tend to not reach their projected potentials and we end up seeing them highlighting the third or fourth lines in the NHL. Exceptions being obviously the top-end guys, they are now starting to earn the big bucks and are from the golden days of the Finnish junior development. And my next point also applies to some of the other Europeans as well, since usually EU players don't happen to make the jump to North America straight after the draft, and more so, stay for a few years in the domestic leagues in order to gain strength and get used to pro hockey, but once they end up making the jump, they are still possibly a few years away from getting to their full stride in the new environment. And taking into account also the fact that high draft picks usually get the princess treatment within franchises, so... Once the setting seems to be optimal for our Europeans to take the next step, the guy drafted two years after them might be on his way to the NHL already and could end up stealing his job just because of his ranking inside the organization. So that's another aspect that could heavily change the spectrum for, for example, Finnish players if Liga decided to shrink down the ice surface and players would be more accustomed to the higher tempo and less time and space overall. So in that sense, it's not a coincidence why so many Finnish prospects have begun to jump the ship and move across the ocean just in order to get themselves more ready for the small ice challenges. And one of the best recent examples is Winnipeg's Brad Lambert, who's been feasting across the Atlantic ever since he made the jump from Finland to the WHL and a year after the AHL, where he's currently wrecking havoc. And obviously other aspects have played a part in his situation, but clearly he has gained from the scenery change. And I'm not saying that it would be the case for the rest of the young guns, but I can totally see the reason why we've seen more and more names heading across the pond, even though they would end up returning to their home nation before testing their wings in the AHL, for example, because that's currently the only option for young players if they want to gain some experience on the smaller ice sheet. So, although we diverge from our original path, I fully get why we want our prospects to have that strong two-way build right from the juniors, because only so many guys can become top six producers on an NHL team, but I would be lying if I said that I wouldn't like to see more individualism, if you can call it that, next to the so original vanilla two-way forwards, because the transition from a producer to a two-way guy is way more easier than turning a defense-first guy into a goal scorer especially on the next level, and that ain't even close because so much depends on your past and confidence gained from scoring. So yes, this is kind of a double-edged sword because we've seen so many guys filtering out from the NHL due to the fact that they don't have defense written all over their hockey diary, but also because they can't find a place from the NHL due to not having any offensive upside, so... I don't really know where I was going with this, but for example, when compared to the Swedes, you can recognize that you got guys from there on every role on an NHL lineup, whereas most Finns are either first-line producers or borderline NHLers with 8-minute ice times, so I guess it purely comes down to individual sailings, but I'd like there to be less separation between the mass-produced robots and players that clearly stand out because of their offensive skill sets, and from that view, the Swedes have the edge over us, but... Let me know if you think that is completely the other way around. And there's also a conversation to be had regarding defensemen as well, but today we are solely going to focus on the forwards just in order to shave off some time. 
But what it boils down to more often than not is the coaching aspect alongside individuals' own ambitions to develop their game further. And what in my eyes is a major improvement to years past is that we've started to see more individual skill coaches in the mix, whether it is a team-appointed one or a sole entrepreneur earning his or her keeps during the offseason by providing skating camps and such for players that can first and foremost afford the extra coaching sessions but also, secondly, are willing to work on their game outside of their team facilities. So coaching in that sense has taken a big leap in recent years, and I hope that we can see results from that in the coming years, because the game has evolved so much in recent years, especially in North America, that if you are not a great skater, regardless of your position, you more than likely are not going to see the bright lights, because you need to be a 200-foot player in that sense, no ifs or buts about it. And while it's not the only attribute that needs to be on a high level, it's still one of the biggest factors that can separate you from the crowd. So I'm really glad that guys like Lara Yotes and Lahti have become a thing and are truly elevating players through individual coaching. Because when you, for example, compare the skating skill of our best young prospects to our closest rivals, Sweden's top names, I think we are still a bit behind, but I hope that could start changing in the near future with guys like Lari leading the way. But it is obvious that more needs to be done on a team level as well, because after all, 99.9% of the time is spent within the team premises, and if most of the time is allocated and targeted towards becoming a better team, individuals might go missing, and that's not something we want to see, if we want to continue producing high-end talents in the future as well. And since we know that the competition inside the EU borders alone has started to ramp up, we can't be on the losing side of evolution because otherwise we might end up losing multiple generations of NHL-worthy talents due to the fact that it's a long process and the earlier we get to guys to commit to modern requirements, the better results we will see long-term. And that's the way to secure the flow of future talents that are going to continue on the right path towards making their hockey dreams come true. So big ups for the individual coaches who've started to increase their market share within the Finnish borders because it's been a thing that's been missing from our game and I would hope that their crafts could be utilized even more like in many other countries because we start few steps behind compared to the likes of the US and Canada and seemingly even Sweden who has continuously produced elite skaters for NHL teams for many many years now. And it seems like in each draft class we see another smooth skating defenseman getting drafted in the first round from Sweden so Clearly they have their systems down and are doing something really well that we could learn from and put it to use ourselves as well. And that's the thing, you know. It seems like, for example, in Sweden you have these teams that are known around the world to produce elite-tier prospects on constant basis. And unfortunately, in my opinion, we kind of lack that in Finland. And I don't know exactly what that is and what's the reason for such a big difference between the two countries when we're talking about the amount of high-end talents that are growing in these so-called incubation centers, for example, Frölunda or Dugården. Well, the only kind of exception could be Karpat, because they are known to produce top players on constant basis here in Finland, and it seems like they don't have down years when it comes to top junior teams, and most of the big teams, aka Tappara, Ilves and HIFK, seem to somewhat follow in their footsteps, but still... We don't see too many draft classes where, for example, two out of three of our first to second rounders are from the same team, and that's almost normal for Sweden when you look back at the NHL draft history. So my question pretty much is that, what are these teams doing so well that they have a constant flow of young players that are bound to hit the NHL lights? 
And could we adapt some of those things to our own junior development in order to ramp it up more for the future? Because after that four-year golden era, we've reverted back to our old habits and seem to produce less high-end talents compared to some of the nations that are competing with us on the international stage. And that's exactly why I would love to have someone on to tell me, for example, what they've learned about the Swedish junior program and why we haven't been able to recreate that here where the setting is pretty similar to the one across the Gulf of Bosnia. But that pretty much covers it up. I touched upon some aspects in the Q&A episode, like, for example, my thoughts on the Finnish Liga and its trickle-down effects on our second-tier Mestis, so... I really didn't feel like going down that rabbit hole this time around because I've already covered that side in that episode. But if I get comments from you guys based on the aspects that we covered in today's episode, or if I happen to realize that I left out something from this 30-minute package, I will come back to this topic another time, especially if we end up getting someone from the inside to share their thoughts about the aspects that we covered here today. So in a nutshell... I'm a bit on edge on the current trajectory of our junior development and especially the way the North Americans and the Swedes have widened the gap between us and them. Plus, of course, the way the so-called smaller countries have ramped up their junior flow and with it have stolen some territory from us with the way they've been able to produce elite talents within the past few years. And it kind of feels like our robotic two-way forward product line would have seen some disruptions and that we end up seeing more and more homegrown heroes hitting the NHL eyes instead of the more hyped up ones. So what is causing that is a great question to ask and what could we learn from the top development countries in order to recreate that on our own soil and how we could return back to our golden NHL generations with a bunch of Finnish names being called during the first day of the annual NHL draft. I would be extremely interested in hearing your thoughts on this topic and if you think that I'm completely out to lunch with my takes because this aspect is near and dear to my heart and now that I've transitioned from the player's side to the sideline role, I've gotten so much enjoyment out of watching my old teammates and fellow Finns flourish on the big stages so I would hope that to be the case in the future as well and us as a nation to get more representation to the big league without too many misses like the ones we've seen in recent years. And to also bring up the entertainment value through our own Finnish Liga. So it's a complex problem. And as you know, it may take few years to understand it and to make changes to the process. But I truly hope that we start making some changes following the face plan in the recent U20 World Junior Tournament. But that's pretty much it for this week. Like I said, we went with the flow today and more than likely due to it, I happened to miss one or two spots that I would have liked to address. But... That's a problem for another time and maybe I can bring up those once if and when we get someone on the show to discuss with me about the topics that we covered in today's episode. As I said, leave your thoughts on my social media and leave a rating for the show if you enjoy the content. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you taking the time. Have an awesome week, you beauty. Stay tuned. Stay safe. Until next time. All right.